Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's so good to be in the presence of God, but also being in the presence of, of one another and seeing so many new people visiting us for the first time today. It really fills our hearts with joy because for us, church is family. We see it that way. We come together not just because we want to be with God and we are with God. God is everywhere, but we want to be together on a Sunday morning, not only just to worship Him, but also to get to know one another and be family together. I think one thing that most of us have in common is that uh, many of you are not Portuguese. I'm one of the very few Portuguese people here. I'm a very rare breed right now in this room. But... <laughs> but but because we're, many of us are not from here, it just means that we need to create family and we need to create community. And it's beautiful. It's just amazing to see that happening every single Sunday when we get together. And we've been speaking about Jesus. We've been uh, praising Jesus, worshiping Jesus, saying many things about him. Some people actually answer really hard questions about Jesus. So I'm very impressed with the three contestants this morning. But this morning, if you can give me a little bit of time, I want to share with you some thoughts about Christmas, absolutely about Christmas. And we're in a message series called Peace on Earth. What a beautiful title, what a beautiful um, name to wrap the, the things that we're, we're sharing throughout this Christmas season. And Pedro did an amazing job last week sharing about how can we become peacekeepers. So if you have, how many of you use Spotify? How many of you have Spotify on your phones? Of course, many of you do. If you use Apple Podcasts or any other, you can also find it. But it's worth checking the message that was preached last week by Pedro. So if you happen to use your phone, please do that. Um, a very important message that we need to remind ourselves of. But this week, I'd like to share with you something very specific about Christmas. And uh, what I personally love about the Christmas story, it's... Just at, it's not just a Christmas story. In fact, it's Christmas stories, the best way that we can put it. Because right about the time of the, fir the very first Christmas, so many things were happening in many people's lives. It wasn't just everything that was centered about this baby that was going to be born. But in fact, so many things were going on in the people involved in the Christmas story. So many things were going on in the world. And if we live back then, it felt like that baby being born was the least important thing that was happening at the time. But that's not the case. And we know it because that baby that was born was Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He, his birth divided time between before Christ and after Christ. There is something so important about the person of Jesus that that is the reason why so many people around the world, billions of people throughout the ages, have recognized that Jesus is the Son of God. But in this beautiful story of Christmas, I think you've heard about the three wise men. Have you heard about the three wise men? Actually, in the Bible, we don't know exactly if they were three, but tradition and culture says that they were three. But this morning, I don't want to share about three wise men. I want to share with you about three wise women, the three wise women of Christmas. Did you know that in this story of Christmas, we can find three wise women? One of them was married, the other was single, and the other was widowed. We have Elizabeth. We have Mary, 
and Anna. They lived very different life circumstances, but in the Christmas story, they all faced very big challenges. Elizabeth faced a major disappointment in her life because she was now of old age, and throughout her life, she was unable to have children. Mary had a, another major obstacle. It was a major change that was going on in her life because he was, she was merely a teenager. She was very young, and she found herself pregnant and single. Anna. Anna had lost the love of her life in very young age, and she had to deal with loss throughout her life. So disappointment, change, and loss. Things that we all go through and not necessarily the things that we think of when we, uh, when we think about Christmas. But the wonderful thing about the story of Christmas is that they all have overcame each disappointment of their lives because I believe they were wise. Elizabeth overcame the resentment and bitterness. Mary overcame her fears and Anna her grief because they all were able to make wise decisions, wise choices in their lives. How do we know that when someone is wise? By looking at the decisions that they make. Wise people make wise decisions. And someone that makes foolish decisions, we tend to call a foolish person. Wise decisions, they produce peace in our hearts, while foolish decisions produce distress. And I believe, and the Bible says that, that God wants us to live with wisdom and peace inside our hearts. The wisest man who ever lived, the Bible, according to the Bible, Solomon, he was wise because he asked God for wisdom. God came to him and said, Solomon, ask me whatever you want to receive from life and I will give it to you. And it's a very known fact around history that Solomon was one of the wisest because of that. Because he told God, I could have many other things, but I choose to be wise. If you can give me wisdom. And the Bible says in 1 Kings that the people saw that Solomon had God's wisdom by the decisions he made. People are able to learn and, and see that God is in our lives, that we are able to produce good, good, that we have wisdom in us by the decisions that we make. So we're going to look into these women's lives and we're going to analyze the decisions that they made because I believe that there's so much that you and I, we need to learn this morning from them. Because the things that they went through in their lives are exactly the things that we all go through. So let's read together and about the first wise woman of Christmas, Elizabeth. And let's read together in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. The Bible says, When Herod was king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, and his wife was named Elizabeth. Both Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous and godly people. Their lives pleased God because they always did everything God commanded and they lived with a clear conscience before God. But they had no children, because Elizabeth had been unable to conceive, and now they were both too old. So we learn a few things about Elizabeth from reading this passage. The first thing is that Elizabeth was a very strong woman. She was mature. She was godly. 
She was probably a good mentor to younger, uh, to younger girls. She was strong in her life. The Bible says that her life pleased God. And isn't that the point of, of life uh, in this relationship that we have with God is having a life that pleases God. As a pastor, I don't want that only to myself, but I hope to see that in other people's lives. I hope to present you to God and say that you have a life that pleases God. That is the whole point of our journey together here on earth. It's the highest compliment that I believe that anyone can give someone. She was righteous. She was dedicated. And because of that, we know that she is wise. But the second thing is that she had a lifelong heartbreak, a lifelong hurt. Elizabeth and her husband had no children. And the way that is presented, you can tell that they really always wanted a baby. But for some reason that we don't know, it didn't happen. And maybe some of you actually identify with that. Maybe you've been wanting to have a child and you haven't been able to conceive so far. She probably had every temptation to go bitter and resentful against God because her biggest prayer in her life hadn't been answered by God. Her posture in life could have been, God, I have served you. I have loved you. I'm trying to do everything that you command me to do. But this one thing that I'm asking you to give me, you're not giving it to me. This is a great temptation. And maybe you and I, we can relate because we have those prayers before God. The things that we truly ask, the great desire that we have in our heart. And we ask, God, I really, really want this. When are you going to give me this? Please, God, give me. But it's not coming. And when we pray for a very, very long time about something, we have two choices. Or we can be bitter, or we can be better. And we trust God. And Elizabeth understood that living for God does not guarantee you a hurt-free life. She understood that this place that we live in is not heaven. And so we shouldn't expect heaven to be on earth. On the, in this place, there will be tears, there will, there will be grief, disappointment. Because everything on earth is broken. If you look at the weather, if you look at the economy, if you look at relationships, if you look at your own body, you see that things just kind of get messed up all the time. And it doesn't mean that this is God's perfect will for your life. It's not. But the Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to, to die completely lost. But the fact is, people do. And we have a say in the matter. So to expect heaven on earth sets us up for disappointment in life. And just because we're doing our very best and we're trying to obey God and we're trying to live for God, it doesn't mean that we're going to have a pain-free life. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He said you will have trouble. It's a fact so we shouldn't be surprised when uh, things don't go the right way or they go through uh, like the way we expected. Elizabeth's story in the story of Christmas is the story of the miraculous birth of John the Baptist. He is the announcer of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. She was a relative of Mary, the mother 
of the Messiah. So let's keep reading this story together. One day Zechariah was serving as a priest before God because his group was on duty. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah standing on the right side of the incense table. When he saw the angel, Zechariah was startled and frightened. But the angel said to him, Zechariah, don't be afraid. Your persistent prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to a son and you will name him John. Next. John will be a great man for the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. And even from birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will help many people of Israel return to, their, to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord in spirit and power like Elijah. He will make peace between parents and their children and will bring those who are not obeying God back to the right way of thinking to make a people ready for the coming of the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I know that what you say is true? I mean, who dares to ask? If an angel came before you, and I haven't seen an angel in my whole life, but if an angel came before you with all that glory, with all that splendor, and it was at the right, in the right place, it was at the temple, so it could only be an angel, but he says all of these amazing things, and how can I know that what you say is true? It felt like it's so crazy. I am an old man, and my wife is old too. The angel answered him, I am a Gabriel. I stand before God who sent me to talk to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will not be able to speak until the day these things happen because you did not believe what I told you. But every word I've told you will happen just at the right time. Continuing, outside the people were still waiting for Zechariah and were surprised that he was staying so long in the temple. When Zechariah came outside, he could not speak to them, and they knew he had seen a vision in the temple. He could only make signs to them and remain unable to speak. When his time of service at the temple was finished, he went home. So we learned two more things about Elizabeth and Zechariah. Very important things. One that they never stopped praying. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they made the decision that I'm never going to stop praying about this. The angel said, your persistent prayers have been heard. They kept trusting God in their pain. They kept trusting God in the middle of those questions. They kept asking God, while they couldn't understand what God was doing in that moment. I believe that this is a mark of wisdom. And the other truth is that through prayer, Elizabeth understood that God's timing was better than hers. The angel said, every word I've told you will happen at just the right time. Because she was praying to God and giving her, God her troubles, she was giving God her fears. She was giving God her disappointment. God has the best timing for all things. She knew that she could trust in God's timing. So these are very important, two very important marks of wisdom. Praying persistently and being patient. And the Bible continues. Sometime later, Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, she never left her house. 
But she kept praising God, saying, the Lord did this for me. He has shown his blessing and taken away my shame and pain. So curious, so interesting to see that even 2,000 years ago, when she was, found herself pregnant, that she was very careful and she was very smart in her, uh, in her gift that she had received from God. Usually doctors, the first thing is say, okay, this is a risky pregnancy. You need to stay home. So Elizabeth knew that. This is a huge blessing that I've received. I need to be careful with it. And she didn't stop praising God. She gave all credit to God when it happened. And in her words, you can see that she was living with shame and pain. In that culture, her value was determined by how many children she could have. Fortunately, it's not the case today. But back then, that was basically what she could get out of life, is having a big family. So for her, being a godly woman, being someone that wanted to please God with her life, she wanted to be the best person that she could be for other people and not have the one thing that could determine her value was a very big hit. But she continued to praise God. She prayed persistently and she trusted in God's timing. And in the right time, God took away all shame and pain in her life. First, she trusted God with the delay. And now, she could understand the delay. God had bigger plans for her life, so much that an angel appeared to her husband to announce that she was going to be pregnant. And it wasn't just going to be another human being. According to Jesus' words, the greatest human being that ever lived. He came before Jesus to announce the way of Jesus, to prepare people's hearts for the coming of the Messiah. He would prepare people to receive the Savior of the world. And so he was only born a few months before Jesus. And Elizabeth could testify, all this time that I was in shame, all this time that I was in pain, God was listening to my prayers. A delay is not a denial. Someone wise understands the difference between no and not yet. Someone wise understands how God answers prayers, and sometimes he can say no. But sometimes God will say not yet. And you need to be mature to understand that. And I've made a few experiences with, with Jade, my daughter, She's two months old, and I don't really think that she understands the difference between no and not yet. I've tried, but it produces the exact same result. If I say JD not yet or JD no, it's the exact same thing for her. Because she's not mature enough to understand that some of the things that she's asking for are simply not in the right time. And if we trust God with our lives... If we trust in a God that knows all things much better than you and I know, it's our responsibility to surrender our lives to him and to say, God, I trust in your timing. I'm going to keep bringing my pain. I'm going to keep bringing my shame. But I'm also going to keep praising you and trusting you because you have greater plans than the ones that I have for my life. 
Wisdom allows us to confess that we don't know better than God does. So Elizabeth teaches us that we can trust God's plan and timing even when it doesn't make sense for us. The second wise woman of Christmas, Mary. And this is a story that maybe you know by heart. Maybe some of you have never read in the Bible. So we're going to do this together. I don't want you to skip Christmas without knowing the Christmas story. So we're going to continue reading the story of Christmas together. So let's look at the screens again. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee named Nazareth. He had a message for a young woman promised in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Peace be with you. The Lord is with you and has greatly blessed you. Mary was frightened. Again, what's up about all the being frightened about angels? I mean, I didn't think Zechariah was frightened. Mary was frightened. Mary was frightened and confused and tried to figure out what this greeting might mean. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. God has been gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. Mary said to the angel, I am a virgin. How then can this be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and God's power will rest upon you. For this reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Remember your relative Elizabeth. It is said that she cannot have children, but she herself is now six months pregnant, even though she is very old. Nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, and I accept his plans for me, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said, and the angel left her. Soon afterward, Mary got ready and hurried off to a town in the hill country of Judea. She went into Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby moved within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said in a loud voice, You are the most blessed woman of all, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why should this great thing happen to me that my Lord's mother comes to visit me? For as soon as I heard your greeting, the baby within me jumped with gladness. You are blessed for believing that the Lord would keep his promise to you. Mary said, my heart praises the Lord, my soul is glad because of God my Savior, for He has remembered me, His lowly servant. From now on, all people will call me happy because of the great things the mighty God has done for me. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So in those days, men and women used to get married very young. She was probably around... 15, 16, when both families had decided that Mary was going to marry Joseph. And uh, apparently she was very happy with that arrangement. And she, when she was about this age, she hears the news from an angel that she would be the mother of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And of course, she's afraid and confused. Imagine all the possible fears that came through her mind. Think about the criticism. 
If a 15 or 16 years old comes to you and she says that she's pregnant, would you ever, ever believe that it was because of an angel told her that she was going to get pregnant and God was responsible for that? I mean, no mother, as much as she loves her, her daughter, would believe in this story. The shame that she would have to go through could have been unbearable. So much that she found it better to go and be with Elizabeth and Zechariah, maybe the only two people that could understand what was happening to her. She felt inadequate, I'm sure. I'm just a girl. I'm not ready to be a mom. Who am I to do all of this? To be alone, to be young, to not being even married yet? And the change that was going to come in her life. Her life was about to change in a very big way. Her plans that she had were very, very different. If you were 15 or 16 years old and you knew that you were preparing to get married, that was the goal and that was the focus of your life. And all of a sudden, you have to think about a baby. And you have to think about eating healthy. And you have to think how all my relatives are going to think about what, everything that is going on. It's too much. And God knew it was a lot to take in. So much that the angel said, so this is how it's going to happen. This is how God planned things for you. And see, even this thing that is happening to you, I understand it's big. But even your relative Elizabeth, she's so old, but still God had a plan for her life. Still God has blessed her with a baby and God is with her and God made it happen. So remember this, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Remember this, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. So when Mary waits everything in, God loves me. Hi, JD. <laughs> God loves me. God chose me. God has a plan for my life. And if the angel reminds me nothing is impossible with God, then it pro it's probably true. It probably means nothing is impossible with God. I can do this. I can endure this. I can handle this. So she said, I am the Lord's servant. And I accept his plans for my life. Let it happen according to your word. Mary had the joy of listening to the things that God wanted to do with her life. And I know that many times God doesn't share that with you and me. We wish that we would have an angel or we would have a revelation of, okay, so this, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, Don, and this is what God wants to do, and this is exactly how he's going to do things. But be joyful because nothing is impossible with God. Usually God doesn't say that to us. He doesn't reveal that much. But God does promise, Don, I am with you, and I have a plan for your life, and nothing is impossible with me. That's what God promises us. And you know something? That needs to be enough. When God promises us that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he has plans for, for our lives, 
we can rest assured that nothing is impossible with him. Have you done it like Mary? Have you prayed to God? Have you ever said, God, God, I don't know everything that you're going to do, but I am your servant. I trust in your plans. I trust in the things that only you are able to do. And in the last part, and we didn't have time to read everything that Mary said, but if you, this is your homework for the, re, the week, and you will open in Luke chapter 1, and you are going to read this beautiful song that Mary sang. That's what the Bible says, that she burst in singing. And you will see that in that part alone, she quoted the Old Testament more than 10 times alone. Mary was wise because she knew the Word of God. Mary was wise because she understood what was the story of God. The more that we fill our hearts with the Word of God, the more that we fill our lives with the, what the Word of God says, the more trust we will have in the God that we love and serve. So that's why in that just moment, in that spot, she was able to quote the passages, the verses, the things that she knew about God in praise and in worship to God. I don't really think I could actually do it. I want to have the Bible inside my heart, but if you ask me, just quote 10 verses just like that, or just sing a song of praise to God, quoting the things that you know that the Bible says about God, well, it puts me in a hard spot. But now for Mary. She was only 15 or 17, more or less, and she already knew God's word in her heart. She kept God's word in her heart. And the Bible says that Mary had a wonderful habit. The Bible says that Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. And you don't see this happening only once in the Bible. You see this happening once, twice, and three times in the Bible. The Bible says that Mary listened and Mary kept things in her heart. Even though she was so young, and even though the plans that God had for her life were too greater for us to even understand and put ourselves in her shoes, but she was a woman of God, and she was a wise woman. She lived her life, and she didn't allow herself to be dominated by fear, but in trusting in God's plan for her life. Finally, the third wise woman of Christmas, Anna. Let's read together. And the story begins this way. After the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary took the baby to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him to God because the law that God gave Moses said, every firstborn boy is to be dedicated back to God. In Jerusalem lived a man named Simeon who was a good man and godly. He was waiting for the time when God would take away Israel's sorrow and the Holy Spirit was in him. Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Christ promised by the Lord. On the day that Joseph and Mary arrived in Jerusalem, God's Spirit prompted Simeon to go and wait in the temple courts. Just, just until here. So I know that I promised to speak about Anna, but let me just speak a little bit about this man. Because his story comes into the story of Anna as well. 
It's important that we remember this, just because of this part of the story. When the Spirit of God prompts us to do something, it's important to obey. The Bible says that Simeon was a good man, a godly man. He had a relationship with God. He knew the God that he lived with. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in Simeon's life that is also with us, God speaks to us. And sometimes God prompts us to do something, something that is according to God's character, something that is according to God's perfect will, something that doesn't necessarily have to do with you, but probably with others. And Simeon was sensitive enough to obey what the Holy Spirit was prompting him to do. And maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something that is according to God's will, and we simply need to obey. We simply need to do what God calls us to do because we miss huge blessings when we don't do what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. And he was right there in the right time when Joseph and Mary arrived in Jerusalem. It was the exact day that Simeon was there in the temple courts waiting. And the Bible continues. When Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple to do what the law says they must do, Simeon took the baby in his arms and thanked God. Now, Lord, you can let me, your servant, die in peace, as you said. With my own eyes, I have seen your salvation, which you prepared before all people. It is a light for the non-Jewish people to see and an honor for your people, the Israelites. Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what Simeon had said about him. Simeon, in that moment, he thanked God. He thanked God. It's, it's interesting that the Greek word used to thank here is a Greek word called illogeo. And illogeo actually simply means praising, speaking good of someone. And in the English language, it is the root word for eulogy. Eulogy, those speeches and the things that we say when someone passes away, we write eulogies. We write about the beautiful things, about the wonderful things about this person. So what the Word of God says is that Simeon was giving this baby, not a dead person, but this baby that had just been born, a eulogy, a song of praise, a song of admiration about the wonderful things that this baby represented and would do throughout his whole life. And the story continues. That day... There was also a woman named Anna, worshiping in the temple courts. Anna was a prophetess, and she was very old. She'd been a widow for most of her life because her husband had died after being married only seven years. Anna was now 84 years old, and since she had no family, she never left the temple courtyards. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God with praises and fasting. Just as Simeon was dedicating the baby to God, Anna walked by, and she paused to listen. Then Anna joined in praying for the baby, and she thanked God for sending a Savior. From then on, Anna talked about Jesus to everyone who was looking for redemption and freedom in Jerusalem. What a hard story, this one that Anna lived she struggled with loss very early in her life. She lost the love of her life. She had only been married 
for seven years. And to make things worse, she had no family, no other family, no other relatives. So Anna was in a crossroads. Or she would go desperate with grief, loving and, and pointing her love to someone who wasn't there anymore. Or she would redirect her love to someone who was there with her. And choose to live a, a life of love instead of grief. In her wisdom, she redirected all her love to God. She decided to live for God. She decided, and quoting a thing that we spoke a while ago, she decided that God would be enough for her. And she was able to live with peace in her heart because she chose to focus on God's love, God's presence, God's goodness, and to talk with everyone about Jesus. In a certain moment in her life, she said, I'm lost, I'm alone, so I'm going to focus on God, and I'm going to tell everyone about Jesus. Is that a wise decision? I believe it is. The Bible says that those who win souls are wise. Those who talk about Jesus are wise. Those who put God in their lives first are wise people. And Anna wasn't doing it in a selfish way. Because so many people around us are also looking for redemption and freedom. Redemption means being saved from something terrible. And I know many people around me that they're going through very terrible things right now. Really hard things in their lives. Freedom means being saved from imprisonment or slavery. And not necessarily a physical one. It can be an emotional one. It can be something inside our heart. An inner burden. Or, some, or taking an expression that people use these days, inner demons. There are things inside our hearts that are sometimes simply too much to bear. And just like 2,000 years ago, people in this world are suffering. And people in this world are looking for redemption. They're looking for freedom. How do we know that? Because of the decisions that they make. Wise people make decisions that produce peace, but... Foolish people or people in their foolishness, they make decisions that cause distress. And we see people making wrong decisions left, right, and center because they're looking for redemption. People are looking for freedom. And Anna made a decision. Even though I share the same pain as you, I want to talk to you about the freedom and the redemption that I found in Jesus. She made a decision to let everyone know in her life about Jesus. To let everyone know about the God who gave her redemption and freedom, even if she had lived with such a burden and such grief in her heart. God was the one that allowed her to live with freedom, and she knew that God was the one that could give that same freedom to everyone around her. So this Christmas, it's our responsibility to do the same. Do you see people around you suffering? 
Do you see people around you in prison? Do you see people around you going through hardships? And maybe you are too. But it's our responsibility to be wise. It is our responsibility to trust God's plan instead of bitterness. It is our responsibility to trust God's word instead of fears. And it's our responsibility to trust God's presence instead of loss. And when we do that for ourselves, we experience the best that Christmas has to offer. The best that you can experience this Christmas is not gifts, it's not a new iPhone or AirPods. It's not just having the best dinner parties with your friends and coworkers. It's not even you traveling to be home for Christmas and enjoy that time with family. The best thing that you can experience this Christmas is redemption and freedom in the cause of Christmas that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And the same way that these three women experienced deliverance, and they experienced transformation, they experienced happiness in the middle of great sorrows, it's the reason why we today are also here, because we know that Jesus is the answer to our needs as well. If we are here this morning, it's because of him. I want to invite the worship team to come. And I would like us to be in a time that it's between you and God. If you can close your eyes with me this morning for a little bit. We Christians, we do this one thing that is called prayer. And usually we close our eyes because we don't want to be distracted. We don't want to focus on the things that we're seeing. We want to focus on our thoughts. We want to focus on our words. And I believe this will be a good time for you to have a conversation with God. God is with us. He loves us. He created us. He cares for us so much. You were uniquely designed by God. There's no one on this planet that is like you. That is how much God loves you. He made you in a very perfect and unique way. And just like Elizabeth, Mary, and Hannah, he has a plan for your life. He has good plans for you. And he wants to live in a beautiful relationship with you. And maybe life has had its ups and downs and you don't know where you find yourself right now. You don't know if what you're living is part of God's plan or not. You don't know if you're ever going to overcome the fears and the troubles and the distress that you're living right now. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to lose your job or get a job. There's so many unknowns, so many uncertain things. But one thing that we know about the Christmas story is that God loves us so much. He has a plan, and He wants to be with us every single day from now until eternity. Yeah. He doesn't want you to live confused. He doesn't want you to live lost without knowing where do you belong. What is my purpose? 
What am I doing here? Why am I going through all of this pain? So much nonsense that I just wish it would stop. This Christmas, God wants to tell you, I love you. I made you. I have a plan for your life. You're not alone. You're, it's not meant for you to be alone. Jesus. So if you want to make this prayer with me this morning, inside your heart, just tell God, God, thank you for loving me so much and for creating me, for giving me life every single day. And God, I don't know much about you. I don't understand everything you do. I don't understand everything that's ha that happens in this world. But I trust in your love for me. I trust in your plans for me. And I choose to trust in Jesus, the one who sent to be the Savior of the world. Will you save me today, God? Will you save my life? Will you save me from distress, from my fears, from my burdens, from my past, from my shame, from my unworthiness? And fill me with your love. Fill me with your peace. Help me walk with you every day. Thank you for loving me, for accepting me. And I choose to walk with you. That you will be my God, my Lord, and my Savior. Thank you, God, in the name of Jesus.